Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're not waiting until they reach the brim, flow over, or a rainy day. We're seizing the moment as we look at what's in your bucket so we can start living now. I think we all have them. Call them lofty goals, fantasies, or big dreams. Those bits of adventure we're putting off for one day, someday, or any other day but today. The bucket list. A number of experiences or achievements that a person hopes to have or accomplish during their lifetime. During. Did you hear that? It didn't say towards the end, after everyone and everything have been taken care of, then and only then can you explore the bucket. But that's what happens. The bucket sits there with bits of wishes, dreams, fears, and exhilaration. You think about it and refer to it a lot. It's that mirage you think you're going to reach eventually, but yet you never take a step toward it. What can we pull out today? What can we experience today? What can we move from the dream column to the done column? You might think your bucket needs to be full of adventure, like a trip around the world or to climb Mount Everest, but it doesn't. To be honest, it's your bucket. Put in it what you like. If it helps you to organize your thoughts and collect things you would like to do or places you'd like to visit or stuff you'd like to learn, then great. You're on the right track. I've been empty nested for seven years. Wow, I just counted that up. Seven years. What a transition that was. I'm the mother of three, and for 25 and a half years, I was raising kids. I feel like the bucket was a little deeper then and possibly overflowing since everything seemed reserved for another day. My focus was on their welfare and my career. That trip to Europe or a second language would just have to wait. I want to say it got easier and easier as they each left, but to be honest, by then I was more on autopilot and worried I'd have a crash landing when I was finally left alone. Don't leave me. I actually told my youngest I was considering hosting an exchange student because I was afraid the house would be too quiet. Okay, for those of you already where I am now, I'll give you a minute to chuckle. I mean, could anything really be too quiet? (laughs) Let's just say I adjusted and quick, I might add. The major difference was time and focus. I had so much more time to focus on the things I wanted to do. Now, what did I want to do? I'll come back to that. Let's first find out where this idea of a bucket list came from and what does it entail. Joe Olivito informs us with where does bucket list really come from, shared on joincake.com. There's a good chance you've heard more than one person mention their bucket list in some capacity. For instance, a friend visiting a dream destination for the first time might share an Instagram post with the caption, crossing this one off the bucket list. Or someone hearing a friend describe a fun experience may say, I'll have to add that to my bucket list. That said, maybe you don't know exactly what they're talking about when they use this phrase. 
You might also be interested in the bucket list origins and where they come from. A bucket list is a list of things you want to do, such as places you want to travel to or goals you want to achieve, etc., before your death. At first, the idea might sound morbid. The act of creating a bucket list naturally forces you to think about your own mortality. However, many have found that creating a bucket list and making sure they cross off items on their list actually enriches their lives. You don't want to reach the end and look back with regrets, feeling there was so much you wanted to experience but never did. Unfortunately, this isn't an uncommon feeling. A bucket list can help you avoid these regrets. Refusing to think about death prevents many people from pursuing their goals in life because they don't want to spend enough time considering that life is short. When you create a bucket list, however, you give yourself a powerful reminder that no life lasts forever. Remembering that will motivate you to keep chasing your dreams. Bucket list origins aren't necessarily as old as you might assume. The 2007 film, The Bucket List, introduced many people to this common phrase. Although no one knows for certain if the phrase existed earlier, we generally credit screenwriter Justin Zackham, who actually got the idea for the movie after creating his own bucket list, with inventing it. However, Zackham originally called his list Justin's list of things to do before he kicks the bucket. This refers to an earlier phrase that inspired Zackham. There's no absolute consistency among etymologists over the exact origins of kick the bucket or kicking the bucket. That said, most believe the word bucket in this context didn't originally refer to the type of bucket you might imagine. Instead, it comes from a time when the word bucket could refer to a beam where butchers would hang animals to be slaughtered. As an animal was dying, it would often kick the beam. A little dark to be sure, but at least it makes sense. Kicking the kind of bucket we think of today when we hear the word has nothing to do with death. Regardless, it also gave us the idea of the bucket list, which has become so well known. Again, a bucket list can serve many purposes. That's why there are many different types of bucket lists someone might create. Despite the bucket list's origin being somewhat recent, people throughout the world have already come up with seemingly countless specific types of bucket lists you may want to make for yourself. How about a travel bucket list? We live in a rich, dynamic, and beautiful world. It's also very big. There's so much to see and do here in a lifetime. The desire to travel the globe, having new experiences, and exposing yourself to new cultures and ideas is common among many people. That's why so many create travel bucket lists. After all, unless you have infinite free time and funds, you're likely not going to get the chance to visit all the major regions of the world during your life. With a travel bucket list, you can decide which destinations are most important to you, ensuring your travel experiences are thoroughly rewarding. How about a food bucket list? Many a foodie have created a food bucket list in the recent years. 
This is exactly what you think it is, a list of foods you want to try in your lifetime. While that may sound like a relatively simple type of bucket list at first, creating a food bucket list can also help you pursue other experiences you want to have when you're alive. For instance, in order to cross certain items off the food bucket list, you may have to travel to regions of the countries where those foods are available. This lets you kill two birds with one stone. By crossing items off your food and travel bucket list alike. Most dishes can also tell us a lot about the cultures from which they originate. Create a food bucket list and you'll have plenty of opportunities to learn about those cultures. Reverse bucket list. Many people first learning how to make a bucket list find that it can be surprisingly difficult to come up with the ideas of what they want to include. Although some can easily list a range of experiences and accomplishments they want to achieve in their lifetime, for others, the task isn't so easy. This is a good reason to start by creating a reverse bucket list. This involves listing the experiences you've already had that brought you the most pleasure or satisfaction in life. Along with helping you feel more grateful for your life, creating a reverse bucket list can clarify your priorities. This, in turn, helps you come up with ideas for your traditional bucket list. Retirement bucket list. There are many reasons people don't get the chance to have all the experiences they would like to have while they're alive. A common one is the simple fact that sometimes a job can prevent someone from having enough free time to fully explore their passions. Luckily, a retirement bucket list can help you make up for lost time. Such a list features anything that you'd like to do once you've retired from your job and before you die. Like the other type of buckets, a retirement bucket list offers many potential benefits. For example, people are often surprised that retirement isn't as enjoyable as they expected it to be. This is usually because of boredom. They're used to being more active, and if they go into retirement without a plan, they end up spending their days idly. That's less likely to happen if you create a retirement bucket list. By listing experiences you want to pursue during this stage of your life, you'll give yourself the motivation to stay active and engaged with the world as a retiree. Personal Development Bucket List Setting goals and achieving them is one of life's most satisfying experiences. Unhappiness with yourself is often the root cause of general unhappiness in life. You should think about making a personal development bucket list. This would consist of goals you want to achieve, like running a marathon, earning a certain amount of money, or developing a key skill. As with the retirement bucket list example, this type of list can guard against living a stagnant life, ensuring you remain active. Keep in mind that achieving personal goals also tends to boost confidence. Partner Bucket List Many of life's most rewarding experiences are even more rewarding when you share them with someone you love. If you're in a committed romantic relationship, consider making a shared bucket list with your partner. Romantic partners who spend time sharing fun experiences are usually much more satisfied with their love lives than couples who don't. 
Creating a shared bucket list allows you to deepen your love and learn more about your partner's own goals. That's key to learning more about their passions. Clearly, a Hollywood screenwriter wasn't the first person to ever make a list of experiences they wanted to have in their life. However, Justin Zackham did give the world a reminder that creating such a list can help you experience greater fulfillment. I cringe a little when I think of a retirement bucket list. My dad worked hard his entire life, and even though he traveled a bit and had some adventure, he had a lot of dreams waiting for the time retirement was going to give back. I tell you this story because it was a lesson not to put off till tomorrow what you could make time for today. My dad started a house addition prior to retirement. They were finally expanding their home and building on some dream spaces like a guest suite, a gym, and a hot tub room. They were so excited. My dad was super handy and creative, so he was doing a lot of the work himself until he got sick. Shortly before retirement, he started to slow down. It was visibly apparent that something was going on, and it wasn't just the natural state of aging. Shortly after, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. My dad's health, physical mobility, speech, and cognitive ability all suffered, and the decline was rapid. So many projects and plans left unfinished and unexperienced. They were excited to enjoy the house, travel, and create more art, but all of that changed. The next 18 years was spent managing his illness and limitations. Again, I share this story to say, don't wait. Evaluate all you're doing today. What's important? What has to get done? And what can wait so that you can enjoy a bit of retirement now? H.S. Bernie echoes this with the myth of waiting until retirement to live your life. This was shared on Medium.com. In the corporate world, retirement is something we talk about often. Those nearing it speak of it with anticipation, like a dieter looking forward to a piece of cake when they achieve their goal weight. Travel as much as you want, see the world, focus on gardening, have unlimited time with your spouse instead of moments stolen from all the encompassing nine to five. The retired life is spoken about in reverential tones. Society mandates that we dedicate 40 years of our lives to building a career. We work 40 hours a week to keep or earn our keep. And we do it religiously, week after week, month after month, year after year. We squirrel what we can away for retirement. Being comfortable in retirement is something to aspire to. This is the designated time to rest and pursue your passions. But do we have it backwards? What happens if we don't make it to retirement? Health is not guaranteed. It's something we take for granted, comforted by life expectancy statistics. A piece of simplistic data from a numerical haystack defines our lives. When we work tirelessly, delaying our lives to the mythical utopia of a retirement, we're exchanging our present for an uncertain future. When someone retires at my company, we get a budget to host a farewell party. 
a paltry sum in the amount of $400, is reward for decades invested into company and career. People tell stories, we laugh and reminisce, and the departing employee swims away from the turbulent to calm waters. And then they're replaced. People remember them for as long as their former tribe is with the company. And when others retire, disperse, or move away, and eventually the employee's name, if mentioned in conversation, draws blank looks devoid of any recognition. Oh, Sally worked here? I don't remember Sally. That was before my time. We attach deep meaning to our jobs and our careers. But how much does it really matter? Even senior executives are forgotten as the seasons cycle through the workforce's turnover. Is giving up your life now to chase a career worth taking the monumental risk of delaying your dreams? How many years have you chased a career? Maybe it's time to chase life. HS says, I work for the largest company in Canada, the 24th largest bank in the world. Our C-level executives are driving strategy that moves the economy. At that level, giving up your life in pursuit of a higher purpose makes sense. But what about the rest of us that don't aspire to ascend to the pearly gates of corporate life? Does giving up a sunny evening to build a PowerPoint deck make any sense when I'm not shifting markets? Developing breakthrough innovations or saving lives? Are we trying to save money? From childhood, most of us are taught to save our money for a rainy day. There are many things I could do with $1,000. I could spend it on a ribald night of slinging Dom Perignon. I could buy another pair of my beloved Jimmy Choo's. I could book a weekend getaway to Palm Springs or I could save the money for my impeding retirement. The power of compound interest means that $1,000 invested today would be worth $3,482 in 25 years, at a modest assumed 5% rate of return. Instead of indulging my passions now, I could access this money when I retire. This would mean working hard today for a potential reward two and a half decades from now. But what happens if, in 25 years, health conditions mean I can no longer enjoy Dom Perignon? What if painful bunions that run in my family make it impossible for me to totter on those four-inch stiletto heels? What if terminal illness snuffs me out and Palm Spring remains a what-if? Statistics tell me that my risk of developing cancer in my lifetime is 45% and my risk of dying from cancer is 24%. I don't know about you, but that seems awfully high to me. Why would I barter my present for an unseen future? Instead of waiting for retirement to make a balloon withdrawal from the bank of life, a better solution is to stagger out your claims now. For example, two of my bucket list items are a cross-country road trip across Canada and an Antarctic cruise. Instead of waiting until retirement, wouldn't it be better to set a target to do the first in two years and the second in five years? This gives me enough time to contribute to a vacation fund 
while also keeping my wild jaunts within my reach. H.S. says, my father struggled with the thought of retiring. He delayed it as much as his company would allow. Once retired, it took him years to cycle through the change, the loss of identity, the sense of uselessness, the feeling that he wasn't contributing to society. The problem was that during his working life, he was fully immersed in his career. Because of this, he never developed an appreciation for life outside of work. Work was his everything. So when it went away, he was rudderless. If your work is inseparable from who you are, you wouldn't be able to escape even in retirement. All those grand plans that you've made are useless if your heart isn't in them. What if that passion you desperately wanted to pursue today fades by the time you retire? What if the devastation from losing your professional identity obliterates any fulfillment you expect to get from pursuing your hobbies? At the end of the day, life is a lattice of moments. Retirement is a milestone, nothing more, nothing less. Instead of waiting eagerly for retirement, learn to derive the meaning from today. Don't wait to pursue your passions. The most fulfilled among us build lives that they don't want to retire from. I think fear plays a huge part in procrastination. I'm not talking about the fear of swimming with the sharks. That's just bananas. I'm talking about the fear of failure, of not being able to stick with something or not being any good. I also have bucket items that are just unreasonable. Do you ever look at someone else's life and think, wow, I should be doing that. That looks cool. Now, I'm going to venture out here. Whatever they're doing, what you think is so cool, they didn't start doing today. Picture this. The amazing violinist, the barrel racer, the rock climber, the diver. It may not be reasonable to insert yourself into someone else's passion and render the same results. I know this because I did try violin. I mean, it was in my bucket. Let me tell you, it is much harder than it looks. So advice, you must have a little drive and passion about something to see it through to adventure. Oh, and it does help if you aren't afraid of horses, high places, or large bodies of water. Once you find the passion, it's time to find a little extra time. We all know the time, right? We're so busy. There's so much to do. Well, let's address that. Lee Haynes and Nazarene Murphy give us 12 ways to create more time to do what we love and what you really mean when you say you don't have time. This was shared on liveyourlegend.net. Margaret Peters said, time has a wonderful way to show us what really matters. Now, two of the all-time biggest reasons, <clears throat> excuses, people use when it comes to not living a life of passion and fulfillment are, you guessed it, time and money. Have you ever said or thought phrases like these? If I just had more time in the day, then I'd make it work, but my life is so jam-packed. 
I just ran out of time to get it done. I don't have time right now. But the reality is you're fooling yourself and others because what you actually mean is something entirely different. So what does I don't have time really mean? See, we actually have the same amount of time in a day. It's one of the few things that actually puts us all on an equal playing field. So why is it that there are some people who seem to be able to achieve more? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. Whenever any of us say, I don't have time, what we really mean is, it's just not a priority for me right now. Becoming aware of this statement will become a massive wake-up call because all of a sudden, you will interpret more normal ways of being, thinking, and doing, which for many of us means being caught up in constant excuses. Changing your language is one of the fastest ways to change your life. So try out some of these replacement phrases and see how it feels to get real. I don't have time to work on my passion. Equals, my passion isn't a priority right now. I don't have time to exercise. Equals, my health isn't a priority right now. I don't have time to meditate. Equals, my mind balance isn't a priority right now. Now, of course, it might actually be that these things, for example, passion, health, meditation, are important to you, but you just actually aren't making them a priority because you've been entertaining an old and familiar conversation in your head. You've been giving the I don't have time thoughts all the attention and power. When you start to change the conversation in your head, you'll be taking the first step towards living in alignment with your highest priorities. For example, I don't have time to work on my passions becomes my passion is a priority and I will do five minutes tonight toward it. I don't have time to exercise becomes my health is a priority and I will do five squats right here and now. I don't have time to meditate becomes my mind balance is a priority and I will take three deep mindful breaths to prove it. Back in 2011, Nas was lost and feeling dead inside. I was a mother of two young children, three and two. I was working full time and going to a job that was sucking my will to live. I was also in a marriage that was no longer nourishing anything about who I was. It wasn't bad, but it also wasn't great. My days consisted of dragging the kids out of bed at 6 a.m. to watch them curl up in the lounge, tired and grumpy, before I shoveled food into them, quickly got them dressed, and then madly rushed them to the car for a short trip to the daycare, where they would both scream and cry as I threw them into the arms of almost strangers before I'd run to the train for a a one-and-a-half-hour commute to work. At work, I would do boring, mundane tasks for 10 hours and then rush to make the train for the one-and-a-half-hour commute back home. I'd walk in the door sometimes after 8 p.m., hardly acknowledged by my then-husband, who himself was completely exhausted from a similar kind of day. 
as he tried tirelessly to bathe and feed the children just in time for me to read them a bedtime story and kiss them goodnight. I was living a mediocre life at best, and all I could think of was, I'm exhausted and I have no time for anything else. To me, I might as well have been dead as there was so little of me left that I felt like a ghost of myself. I felt like I had no other choice. I mean, I had to work, right? That's what everyone does these days. And I had been at this job for 10 years. With no other qualifications, I felt completely stuck. Thinking back now, it didn't even dawn on me that not going to the job was an option. I felt completely owned by all the expectations that I or someone else had placed on me. Nas said the wake-up call came one day when I was sitting in a work course about communication. I can't exactly remember what was said or how it was said because I remember thinking, actually, my boss doesn't own me. I'm the one who's choosing to be here. He isn't holding a gun to my head and forcing me to turn up each day. It's my choice. It was in that moment I decided, this is my life. I can choose what I want to do with it. It was probably one of the most powerful moments on my journey to self-discovery because I could no longer blame all my shortcomings on people and circumstances out there. Rather, I had to take responsibility for my life. And all of these realizations came while I was in the exact same situation with the exact same amount of time available to me as before. It was just that now... I felt I was in the driver's seat rather than a victim to my life's circumstances. So instead, I made the choice to get creative with the time I did have available, like the long commute on the train, lunch hours, weekends, evenings, early mornings. So what did Nas do to start to generate more perceived time in her day? which initially led her to transition roles in her day job, but eventually led her to leave for good and then start an entirely new business or a seemingly new field? Hmm. We're going to explore some of the steps she took so that you can find more time in your day to do the things you love and to experience more fulfillment than you do right now. Number one, start small, super small. With any habit change, it's really important to start as small as you can. Getting into that first phase of momentum can be challenging as you're used to doing things the old way. It can be somewhat uncomfortable. For example, after falling off the meditating bandwagon for nearly three months, Leah decided that she would aim to meditate for just 10 minutes a day instead of shooting for 15 or 20. And even if she meditated at 11 p.m. at night before bedtime, that still counted. The point is, she set herself up for success by starting small. And more recently, after her personal trainer moved away and she fell out of the workout routine, instead of doing a full workout for 45 minutes four days a week, she started going for a 20-minute walk twice a week. Because although our tendency is to shoot high and go all out from the onset, it's often not sustainable and can be seriously deflating when you don't meet your goals. Number two, get clear on what you actually want. 
Before you can move from where you don't want to be and work out how to create more time to get there, you have to know where you actually want to go. Take some time to figure this out. It doesn't have to be the first of the year to create your goals. Even if it's midway through the year, you can take some time to create an action plan. Number three, ask yourself, what am I actually scared of? Time is an excuse. Usually people use it because they're scared of something else. Is it failure? Success? Being unsure of yourself? Not believing you're worthy? Get super curious about what the time excuse is a cover for, and you'll not only magic yourself for more time, but you'll also create more power for yourself. Number four, use the in-between time. We have so much in-between time in our days, waiting in line, waiting on hold on the phone, waiting for the kids to come out of school, or for your boss to show up for a meeting. Start using these micro-times to work on your project. You'll be surprised how much five minutes of constant daily action can get you. Leah and Nas would take their personal laptops into work and during their 30-minute lunch break, do some work on their blog or their personal development course. Because 30 minutes each workday seriously adds up. And it was a welcome break from the daily grind. Number five, stop take the wasted hours of your day. So many of us fill our days with unnecessary tasks that actually progress us nowhere. Is it TV, gossiping, scrolling through social networks, lunch breaks at work, etc.? Whatever it is for you, take stock of it and either cut it out or make better use of it. Remember, is this really a priority for you? The year that Leah embarked on her Find My Passion journey, one of the first things she did was get rid of TV. Five years later, and she has no idea how she found the time for it in the first place. She believes that there are so many other amazing things to spend time on than watching mind-numbing TV shows. Number six, start saying no. You need to have boundaries in your life. If you can't say no, other people's priorities will sneak into your day and become your priorities. Do you say yes to hanging out with friends who suck the life out of you? Do you offer to help others out because you feel obligated instead of honoring your own priorities? Do you find yourself doing busy work that can't wait, like cleaning the house endlessly, doing chores, focusing on admin tasks, because they give you a feeling of getting somewhere? I think this is a good question to ask. What does this cost you? Because by saying yes to something, you are by default saying no to something else you might rather and perhaps should rather do. And saying no to something means you're able to say yes to something really important. Number seven, get real with yourself. When the sentence, I don't have time, sneaks out of your mouth, stop and ask yourself, is that true or is it just not a priority for me right now? We always find it very difficult to stay in front of the computer screen working on stuff, even stuff we actually enjoy, when our kids come up and ask us for some time to hang out with them. How on earth would we say to them, actually, you aren't really my priority right now? Number eight. 
wake up 10 minutes earlier or stay up later. Small, consistent action makes a huge difference, and you should start small. Do that one thing in the morning that you know makes you come alive. Over time, you'll find that you'll start to claw back your time and do things you enjoy. You don't have to make massive sweeping changes all in one go. Nas became a total night owl during the early days of searching for her passion and would treasure the time between putting the kids to bed and hitting the hay herself. Although perhaps not sustainable over a long period, bursts of late night work are sometimes your only chance for quiet time to focus on your priorities. Number nine, move your body. It may seem counterintuitive to want to make time to move your body for at least 20 to 30 minutes a day, but find a method you enjoy and do it because research shows you will become more productive and actually achieve more, spending less time procrastinating, by allowing your body to function better. The most successful people around the world do this almost every day. Number 10, delegate. Release your need for control. Most people have an insane need to control everything in their lives. Don't worry, we suffered from this once upon a time too. But you can find people around you that actually love the things that you despise. What a great match that is. Just make sure that when you're delegating to that person, they actually want or enjoy the thing you're asking. If it is in a home setting, perhaps you need to have an open and frank conversation with the people you live with. For many of us who claim to have no time, it's simply poor management of that time. It can be easy to fall into that trap of thinking. If I don't do X, Y, Z, then nobody will do it. Let go of some tasks that are mundane or draining for you and ask for help. Number 11, use your time wisely. If you're currently driving to work, but instead you could commute on public transportation, take that option instead so that you can do more while you're not driving. If that's not an option, stop listening to the radio and instead start educating yourself with audiobooks and podcasts. Nas had a 90-minute commute each way to work, where she previously either slept or played games. But then one day, she started to read informative blogs and to listen to educational and motivational podcasts. She decided that it wasn't worth wasting a minute of her precious time. Number 12, turn off your social media, email, and phone notifications. When you're working on your thing, cut out all the distractions. Social media and email will be waiting for you when you're done. The world is certainly not going to end if you're offline for a short time. You can always get more stuff, more money, but no matter how much you accumulate, you cannot write a check at the end of your life and purchase more time. Time is constantly ticking. There's no reverse switch, and the decisions you make about how you spend your time will largely determine the quality of your life. So you're ready to join us and stop fooling yourself that you don't have time to do what really matters to you? Are you ready to live a life that you love and to take small steps towards making it happen? Are you ready to start treating time as the precious 
and finite resource it is. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, don't put off what you could experience today, whether it be adventure, learning something new, or an interesting encounter. Time should be cherished, valued, and spent wisely. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found